Ladies and gentlemen, it's a Thursday, lovely, lovely Thursday afternoon here. Tonight on a Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast, we are going to be giving our reactions to Money in the Bank 2022. We're also going to be talking some news uh, as it looks like that Stardom and New Japan are ready to play nice together. Uh, seriously, this time. Um, that, we're going to talk about Warlow and him and what potentially could be the resurgence of the prestige of the TNT title. All that in a tweet that went out that uh, seemed to have people on different sides of the street. We're going to talk about all that more tonight on the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. Let's get into it, folks. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. A team of four tonight, minus Marcellus, going to be doing what we do best, and that's getting you the latest and our the latest and the hottest in pro wrestling this week, and our reactions, takes, and discussions about it. Uh, before we get into it, gentlemen, it's been a while since I've been here, so I definitely want to say hello. How y'all been? <laughs> Bye. Welcome back. <laughs> Good to have you here this week, too, James. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You, you were gone? <laughs> uh, that was a thing. Yeah. Listen, I got to say right now, uh, thank God I'm still COVID free because I was in the trenches in the last couple of weeks. So hopefully everything stays well um, from going from. I was in New York, and then I went to Chicago for Forbidden Door, and then I went to Vegas for Money in the Bank, and man, talk about Code Red and all those departments there, but so far, so good. I'm home, and shit, it's been, let me see, it's Thursday, and that, that was Saturday, so it's been a couple of days, you know, unless the plane was contaminated, but as of right now, I'm doing all right, but it is great to be back with you, lovely gentlemen. Speaking of the Money in the Bank, um... Did some press stuff out there. Those interviews are going to probably drop tomorrow. I just, mm -hmm. I was having a technical nightmare and I just had to slam my laptop and say, you know what? I'm not going to let ruin my spirit. I'll take care of it when I get home. But um, other folks do got their content out there. Denise was just working her ass off out there. She's definitely elite for real. Like she was just making it happen. And Nick Hauserman of Wrestling Inc. and Sean of uh, Fight For Every was we was like the only few out there this week uh, in terms of press. Um, but yeah, it was a good time. Good time. And also, um, I should uh, I should mention too that it was a very interesting weekend because. I swear for the life of me, I didn't realize that Money in the Bank was going to be the exact same day as UFC. <laughs> I had no clue for a while. And then somebody was like, yeah, Saturday. I was like, Saturday? Wait, that's the same day as UFC 276. But 
it made it happen and um it was a good time but we're gonna start off with money in the bank and uh quickly go around um what was your biggest reaction or take coming out of one of the big four or five because now now i'm hearing this i'm hearing folks saying remove it from a big pay-per-view <laughs> It just needs to be a. It just somebody. I told somebody say it just needs to be a match. I was like, sheesh. But uh, as I like to call it, part of the Big Five. Um, I believe Pat McAfee has also uh, alluded to it being part of the the Big Five. But so yeah, Money in the Bank, one of the Big Five pay per views. Uh, so yeah, let's get in there for reactions of that event. Who's first? You know, what? I'll go first because I I feel that I was one of the few people who didn't want Liv to win for whatever reason, and I will say. <laughs> that i was surprised that they pulled the trigger i really was surprised when i and i actually went back and watched the match twice and yeah. for all the shiggles that you know raquel and, and shotzi got for their whatever their mistakes their missteps it was a well put together money in the bank ladder match for the pg audience but the fact that they pulled the trigger on Liv, i thought about will right off the bat and i said god damn it will's gonna brag about this on thursday so that was one of the first things. And then, you know, y'all all know how I feel about Austin Theory. So, uh, yeah, let's just hope he gets the Sandow treatment and loses the title. I mean, the uh, the briefcase uh, in the most embarrassing way possible. So that's my thoughts on it. <laughs> D- Damien's bringing in a lot of people's feelings there that I was hearing uh, yeah. last weekend, I would say. <laughs> we definitely, though, we were uh, last week on the show. We were uh, a lot of us were on the same page, thinking that the timing was right for Liv Morgan. If it, if not now, when I think right. is how mm-hmm. it, uh, Giant Crab said said it last week. If you're not going to do it now, when would you do it? And lo and behold, they opened the show with the women's money in the bank. She got the briefcase, and in the back of my head, soon as it happened, my very first thing that popped in my head was, "Well, it can't be Bianca." There's no way that don't fit. That don't make any damn sense. Correct. So the only damn option would be Ronda. Yeah. And damn, it. would that be good if they did it? Now I wasn't thinking they'd do it right away because we know Ronda's got a lot of clapped. But I knew damn well right away. I was like, there's no way it's gonna be Bianca. So when the show continued and we had the Ronda and Natalia match, which was a little rough around the edges, but I, I overall mm-hmm. I think what they were going for was good. I think it just could have been a couple minutes shorter probably would have helped it i think they got a little lost towards the end tighten that up a little bit would have been a better match but my god the reaction soon as liv's music hit and then the genius of having her immediately look like she's gonna fail Ronda just snatches her damn ankle and it's just like oh damn they're just gonna like piss this crowd off and like ruin put a put a damper on all the energy that happened earlier in the show i thought it it was played out really well Liv got yeah. her moment all in mm-hmm. one night. And that it's, it's kind of become the standard that the women, uh, unless you're Carmella, you don't hold on to the briefcase. You cash yeah. those things in right away. The women never carry those things around, it seems. <laughs> so that's become the standard. The Liv Morgan era has begun. I'm thrilled for her. I'm glad it happened. I think the big question now is just where does she go from here now that yeah. she's the champ? That's what I'm trying to figure out. But goddamn, I'm so glad they did it. I loved it. Yeah, uh, first off, uh, quickly, because I want to make sure I, I give a shout out to Jeff Harris of 411 Media, also was in the building. Uh, but um, I will say, uh, in terms of press, that is, um, I will say that uh, 
Yeah, there's this thing with the women winning the money in the bank that like you don't keep it no longer than 48 hours. And you know, if it's Saturday to Monday or Sunday to Monday, either cashing it in that night or you're gonna you're gonna use it on Monday, which happened to be you know you know outside of um, Carmella, but same thing with uh, Nikki Ash, was she cashed in on Monday as well too, which then people quickly started flipping back their history books and was like, well. Looks like Charlotte's just going to return to reclaim it again. Uh. <laughs> so, so, but uh, I, here's my here's my take of the weekend. I mean, I think those were both like you know good moments. Live uh, definitely blew the top off the building. The tag team match was easily the best match of the night. Um, but I don't know what their perception of this through watching it at home. But the crowd was hot the entire time. The, you know the fear of like what would this event look like because they didn't have it at allegiance people had to refund you know they had to get their tickets refunded you had to buy tickets again i mean that, that's all right it gives you a sour taste in your mouth but you look around the building and all the seats are filled and within the, those seats it was just hot in there not temperature just like people's energy was completely hot the entire night I say the only little down part was the beginning of the Natty and Ronda match. But once they mm-hmm. started to get in the flow, which I knew they were going to be good because Natty was the one who trained Ronda. So, you know, this was just another day in the book for them. So, you know, it was just going to be a matter of time from when they went into kind of sparring to actually putting on a match. So, you know, once they got into second gear, they were fine. But like other than that, the crowd was entirely hot. And this was a card that didn't have their big stars on it. I mean... I, I was saying this in the crowd. Seth Rollins was almost a non-participant in the Money in the Bank ladder <laughs> match. He was just very limited. But like, so like you take you take Rollins from doing a big thing. There's no Roman there, you know, no Brock. None of the big names was there. And I thought overall, a pay-per-view that I don't think a lot of people gave chance to. I I enjoyed it. I I had a lot of fun. Like you, you know, it may not have been like. The, it wasn't the best wrestling event, but it sure as hell was a very funny entertainment event that WWE put on. And yeah, I, I I can't find a complaint in the book. It was just it was just that you know it was just a really good time. So I think for me, my biggest moment of taking away from it was that the experience there, dope. Had a really good time. Had a really good time. Good. Um, so going on to. The news that came about today, Pat McAfee, who closed out Money in the Bank, by the way. And I got to say that Pat, first of all, there was a kid behind me that was like, I can't wait till Pat get here. And like, <laughs> he, I mean, he was he was hot for Pat, right? And so for me, I wasn't paying attention to commentary because I'm there. But then when Pat sat down, I was like, oh, Pat's here, buddy. It's like, there you go. And my man just lost it, right? He was just like, Pat. But, it, uh, you know, Pat's always very animated by all the stuff he does. and call commentary, theme music, and whatnot. But the end of the pay-per-view, the closing of the pay-per-view, obviously, was Austin Theory. Yes. And out sitting next to Nick Hauserman, Wrestling Inc., he looks down at the table and notices, like, oh, shit, what is happening? Obviously, because of PTSD, because of what happened when we was at Forbidden Door. Complete brawl. So he's just on high alert. Because of Baron Corbin snatching Pat McAfee the way he did, it completely looked like it was something that was really going down. But that's what closed the moment of the event. 
Pat getting um uh what's what's a uh uh Baron Corbin's finisher? Forgot it that quick. End of days. End of days, yeah. yeah. That's it. Which is just a beautiful finisher, but like that was it, you know. And everybody was just kind of like, wow, what happened? Then you know, obviously he went in the ring and endorsed Austin Theory. Leaves out in the net brace, <laughs> heads across the street to T-Mobile Arena, and they are in uh the UFC, which on Pat McAfee's podcast, he said, Man, he was sitting next to Nick Khan. Hey, yo, I don't know if y'all was following the Twitter. <laughs> Nick Khan's son is clearly a privileged little boy. No, he, was no. a, he was in the front row, uh, opposite of no, nah, it actually is a uh little Bailey's uh corner, is he? Uh, in the in the oh. NXT days, that corner, right? He's over there with a suit. This little boy has to be six. He has a suit. Next thing you know, he no longer had a shirt. And then he had a suit on. <laughs> and then after that, he just had no suit. And he just was just straight up, bare chest out there, <laughs> sitting on Nick Khan's like, I bring it up because Pat McAfee said he was sitting next to Nick Khan. Um, he's sitting next to uh, uh, Chris. Uh, uh, what's, what, what Chris is uh, from? Uh, Chris, not Chris Pine. Um Guards of the Galaxy. Um, Pratt. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Thank you. I'm losing everybody's yeah. name. He said, you know, so they, they were they were featured in a prominent spot is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the interesting take about that is because everybody was just talking about, oh, Dana White and Tony Khan had went and had dinner, blah, 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 blah. All these different narratives about, uh, the you know, trying to take over Vince or get WWE out of there. But no, Vince and all of them was front prominent with all the celebrities uh, right there, Shaq was the other way and whatnot. So Pat had a very, very good weekend. A lot of star attention, prominent closing spot at the pay-per-view, obviously setting up his match at SummerSlam. Then it was announced today, as if it could get any better, that Pat had signed a multi-year contract extension with WWE. Uh, it was announced, uh, um, it was announced on the WWE's Twitter page uh, earlier today. Um, and he's going to stick around. This is, again, another big signing for WWE after they signed um, the one MMA chick. Then they signed um, uh, the Paul. Yep, yep, yep. And then keeping Pat. Very good. So quickly, as I just gave the whole little outline of that, your thoughts on Pat McAfee signing a multi-year deal with WWE. Who is first here? <laughs> Let them all go. I don't care. I mean, and here's where I don't care. Uh, he's a commentator, so I performer. You know, it, performer? Yeah, he has a match. SummerSlam. This would be his fourth match. Ew. Um, yeah. So he's a uh, he's a commentator mostly. Uh, that's fine, but I don't really need him to be in the ring. I don't really like him as a commentator. Uh, but you know, if the people do cool uh it's not really for me i I watch in spanish anyway uh not because i speak spanish just because i hate uh you know pat mcafee and michael cole so it kind of is what it is uh but you know good for him i mean i'm not mad at him for getting his money but as far as like this being a big deal um no but you know cool (laughs) i'll jump in real quick and say whatever money they are paying pat I think is worth it in that mm-hmm. he has delivered in the few matches he has had in the ring. He brings in publicity outside of the darn show with his darn podcast and everything and all of his just outside ventures. So I don't see any downside 
to Pat McAfee. Since he's been around, I think he's brought a lot of energy to the table. I mean, God, um, how many people have said that he, he's single-handedly been responsible for like making Michael Cole give a damn again? Now, I don't know if that much is true, but the two of them, I, I think they work well together as a team. I like the interplay between them. I like the energy they have. So I don't see any downside to it. So for now, Pat McAfee, WWE, thumbs up. I don't see any downside to it. Damien. I like this strictly because he can vacillate between two different roles. He can do the on-air stuff, and then if they need him to do some in-ring stuff, like we've seen with Corbin coming up recently with Theory and NXT with uh, Undisputed Era. Shoot, a couple months ago, weren't we talking about potentially him being a world champ because he was so over with the WrestleMania crowd? So this is actually something I think can benefit WWE and Pat McAfee equally. Uh, here's the thing. Vince is always wanting to expand his market reach to things outside of wrestling. What's a good way to do that? Using a former NFL All-Pro who just happens to be a good in-ring performer and one of the most energetic people. He walks the line of being Mauro Ronaldo sometimes where he's just a little too OD. But he's very solid, and I think the fans love him to what Jamal was saying. The fans love him because that's the kind of dude that they relate to, just a bro that's on the mic who understands the product, who likes the product, who screams like a little kid in moments of excitement. You know, he's a man-child. And, and you know what? Wrestling is pretty much founded on a bunch of man-children, 18 to 49 demographic. So he fits the MO. So I think all in all, win across the board. Yeah, um... One thing I will say, I don't think he's like Morrow because Morrow just likes to like reference every bit of pop culture that <laughs> ever happened, period. And I, I don't think that's his style, but he is energetic. And I think that he does give a different, more refreshing take on commentary. Absolutely agree. He has breathed new life into Michael Cole. Michael Cole, it seems like he's turning back time. And that's good because this may be a little bit of a wheel hot take here because if he didn't, then he becomes Jim Ross, where you're just like mm. somebody like Excalibur, who is fantastic, but Excalibur is that traditional style of, of, of a comment of commentator. And so what is happening to uh Jim Ross? He's just slowly still in the same rhythm, and this is solely a thing like I'm just kind of tired of this. Like I, I I think it might be time, you know. And I think, I think Michael Jim Cole Ross is tired in general. <laughs> <laughs> for real i think that's a different situation though because you have with three commentators and no uh, color guy yeah three play-by-play guys and, and no color commentator with aw because yeah. you have ross shivani and excalibur that's a good point they're not you know uh color commentators they are play-by-play guys so it doesn't make sense if you have joe buck uh joe buck marv albert and <laughs> kenny albert in the same commentary booth, like yeah. that doesn't that doesn't really make sense. So mm-hmm. that's just been a problem with um, commentary. And then Shivani, you know, God bless him, he, he floats between backstage interviewer and and commentator. Yeah. And Jim Ross is just there, uh, part time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. just basically literally part time in it because he doesn't like work the whole show anymore. Yeah. So good because I don't like his ass anyway. But the, but the long and short of it is, I, I just think that that's a different situation between. What Pat McAfee does, um, and what Morrow does, and what AEW is doing with their commentary team. Again, yeah. Pat McAfee isn't for me. Um, he 
I don't watch the show because of him and other reasons. However, it is, uh, you know, it's what the kids are into and that's cool. And I think, you know, that's, if you bring up Jim Ross, uh, where Michael Cole, the difference between Jim Ross and Michael Cole is that uh, AEW is presenting a different style of wrestling. WWE has presented the same style of wrestling for 65 years. Michael Cole has been watching that and calling that same style of wrestling for 25 years. So I don't think like the, the, it's much of a stretch for him to just go out there and do the job and say whatever Vince is yelling at him in his ear versus the more fly by the seat of your pants commentary style of AEW. So I, yeah. I think that the, the actual burnout is more apparent with Jim Ross than Michael Cole for reasons that I just mentioned and the fact that Jim Ross his heyday was 40 years ago. Right. Yeah. I, I, I definitely, I definitely like agree to the points there too. And I, and I do think that because AEW wants to put on a wrestling show. So the, the demand and the job and the task is different. And I also feel like in, in, in WWE, it is entertainment. So Pat does kind of fit the shoes, but also think that there's still could have been an opportunity for, um, uh, for uh, Michael Cole to kind of just stay very, you know, feet in the cement and just say, I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it. But, but I also think the other big thing to be said is that I think Vince trusts Pat a lot. And I think he lets him go out sure. there. Well, Pat and make, money. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, and that, and that's a big thing because he goes out there. He, he may slip up between saying belt or title or somebody's real name outside of their character name. Like, he's he's done very clear mistakes. He's also mentioned AEW before. He's done things. He's mentioned Dean Ambrose before. Like, he tokes the line in a way that we know that Vince will lose his top and just completely blow your ear off <laughs> in, in terms of this is not how we do it. And now we're starting to see Michael Cole kind of, like, getting loose a little bit, you know, making yeah. jokes and it's, saying it's things he's not accustomed to. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I like it, and I think that's good because, like, you know, this this is the case of saying like, "Hey, we trust Michael Cole. He's he's a guy. He's one of our guys." But like, we don't breathe new air in him by his new partner. We might have Michael Cole for another ten years, and that would be good. Don't have to hire nobody because somebody knows the way, and I think that's good. But one other thing I want to say because uh, it's some rebuttals. I feel y'all want to get in here. One thing Damian didn't mention is that Pat McAfee has the second biggest podcast outside of Joe Rogan. So. When you think about marketing, reach, <laughs> and, and somebody who fits their the new WWE mold and brand. What I mean by that is that they don't just want people who can do the job. They want somebody like a Logan Paul. When you look, I think Logan Paul has, and don't quote me because I, I looked at it like last week, but Logan Paul has like, let's just say, 6 million Instagram followers. WWE has like seven. So you say, holy hell. And you know they love their numbers because any other time they get a point to say, like, we done broke this record. We got this many subscribers and this and that. You have to think when you say, like, this one person, <laughs> one person has just as many as we do, just a little bit less. We need that. And I also think when you have, uh, and I keep forgetting her name, but the MMA girl that they completely stole from com uh, from, from the other combat sports, and got into WWE, you have to think that not only is that a big win, which I know it is to be a big win because a lot of the PR team was like, hey, we have to handle this. We can't even be in Vegas. This is so big that they wanted to make sure that they handled that right. That you have to think that everybody inside of the um, of the war room on draft day is like, we did it. We got two big names signed to us that make sense. 
Dana White didn't get him. Bellator didn't get her. We got her. And I, and I think that, again, when you look at somebody who has a brand, who can uh, cross-promote uh, mm-hmm. or, or whatever it may be, these this is the future. And now it's going to lure more people. There will be names like, it could, could be somebody like Israel Alessandra who could say, like, listen, WWE, I mean, uh, UFC can't pay me the way I want to be paid in the work I'm doing. Do less work. Make about the same amount of money. I go be a megastar there. So, um, fits on brand. I think it's a good, it's a, it's an absolutely amazing, uh, big deal for them to have gotten all three of these people signed this weekend. Um, and on one of the biggest, uh, sports weekends, uh, it's international fight weekend in Vegas. This had the NBA free, free, uh, agency market open up Kevin Durant to WWE. You heard it first. Now, what? what? <laughs> okay, Woj. <laughs> David, you look like you want you want to rebuttal something there, or are we going to our next one? No, I can move on. Just you, you pretty much hit everything I was going to say, so you're good. Cool. And New Japan Pro Wrestling Stardom. Jamal, what's this news that you're talking about here? Because I didn't see this one pop up. A joint Me show? Either. Like, what's happening? Um, so Stardom had a press conference uh, earlier this morning overnight, basically. Yeah. Um, and a, a bunch of things that they mentioned um, uh, returning to the UK. I don't live there, so that's fine. Uh, but the big thing that I mentioned that I'm interested in is that there's a New Japan and Stardom show uh, that could be in the works on at a giant event on November 20th. Uh, they're going to have a couple mixed tag matches between uh, New Japan as with New Japan and Starlin Talent, which apparently is a big deal in Japan. Okay, cool. You know, not mad at that. But the biggest thing is that uh, New Japan Strong will feature Stardom Talent on mm-hmm. their show uh, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, you know, for COVID's sake, uh, it's a lot easier to get into the U.S. than it is in, to get into Japan. Um, there are arguably more opportunities to work outside of New Japan on the indie scene uh, in the U.S. And then, of course, there is that uh, forbidden door that uh, is, you know, people just keep leaving, picking the lock on that damn thing. But um, <laughs> the, it's like the one of the houses at the, in The Sims, man. You can yeah. just walk in it. Just walk in. <laughs> and then the door disappears. And you're stuck there on, on, in elevation forever. But the idea is, um, you know, bringing stardom over, which was kind of like one of the things that uh, the forbidden door lacked, like a true stardom match. Uh, they kind of reached, really reached um, to say that it was a starter match between um, Thunder Rosa and, and Tony Storm. Stop it. But realistically, <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. So the idea is bringing them over to the uh, Los Angeles division, uh, you know, putting them on TV in America uh, works for everybody. Uh, you know, yeah. you get to bring some stardom talent over. Uh, they're more accessible to AEW, hopefully, because they're still in the, they're in the U.S. And then, of course, people, fans of New Japan in the U.S. get to see them on TV, where Stardom really doesn't have a presence on TV. So uh, it's kind of win, win, win for everyone. Now, here's the, here's the question. Now that the Forbidden Door happened, and now that you know we see that Stardom, uh, you can't argue against the... Um, the clamor for stardom talent to be in that pay-per-view. Yeah. First question is, does WWE counter this in any way? Mm. 
mean, they're so set in their ways with what they're already doing and what mm-hmm. they have, all the pieces they already have. I don't really see WWE doing anything. I was more interested, honestly, in what AEW was going to do. That, I saw a lot of people today saying if anyone should be concerned, it might have to be Tony Khan because his women's division may not necessarily uh, stack up in execution or maybe in in ring. Yeah. Hmm. Right, unless, so, this I- a way, unless this would be a way for Vince and co to finally do revolution 2.0 in, in order to make some sort yeah. of Hell no. market share of, of, of women's wrestling. But I, to Will's point, I think this is really more about Tony Khan and wait a minute, New Japan. I thought uh, we had that working arrangement. Yeah. Guess not. I am going to go the other route with this. I think there is a former WWE superstar who has been working sort of an ambassador slash back in Japan, actively working stardom. That's Kari Hojo, formerly known as Kari Sane. I can see Vince. Wanting to know, is there a possibility that we can work something out via through her? And I and I and I thought back in the day, people like Oscar, people like Nakamura coming over to NXT was like the the pathway through saying, "Hey, we sort of establish what does our Japanese talent look like here," and then they go back and they tell their former coworkers and friends that. This makes sense. And then remember Nakamura and Oscar was like the WWE ambassadors for them in terms of, you know, and, and a lot of wrestlers have already said, like, when I got here, they were the first people to meet me. You know, they they taught me, you know, the ways of America. They taught me the ways of, you know, working WWE, WWE crowds and whatnot. I could imagine that Vince and them gives Kyrie a call and wondering if there's a way to do something where they can use their talent and having her vouch for them. She didn't leave on bad terms. She just left because she wanted to get back to her husband and the pandemic. It only makes sense for her to do so, but she's back wrestling now. So now it's interesting. Her her ambassador contract ran out. So she has no ties to WWE at this point. So, yeah. So could she be like a, 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 a path forward to kind of making this happen? Sure, and I have to think that Vince has to be optimistic on how we can, uh, how they could dance with uh, New Japan or stardom. What, what could be the start of the conversation here? So, you know, I I'm don't optimistic. think Vince cares. I don't think Vince gives a crap because you referenced Nakamura and Asuka. I think in WWE's history with Japanese wrestlers, I think they're the outliers, you know, in terms of just how to work WWE crowds because they're both charismatic in their own way. You know, dare we go back to the days of Hakushi when they brought him over back in 1992, you know, where it's like, oh, quiet Japanese foreigner. And that's what we marketed them as. Same thing with Asuka when she started doing the weird dancing during the pandemic. And all she would do is do the like she was an anime character. Or if we remember Kai and Tai, indeed. Whoa, 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 whoa. Because that, that, I, I don't even want you to even dig yourself a hole here. That's truly Connachan's personality there. If you no, no, I get her, that. Should, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. She's the outlier. Oh, she okay. can pull that off. Whereas Kai and Tai was doing the indeed shtick for a while. And, and look how WWE treated them as if they were some sort of joke. So if we're going to think that Vince is going to be able to work well with people, you know, Japanese talent, I don't. I don't think so. I think, like I said, they're the outlier, not the rule. Now, if it's Stephanie, the one who say women's wrestling, pulling the strings, you know, to try to mend those fences in Japan, maybe. 
women's empowerment. But other than that, nah, I don't see Vince caring. Well, I, I bring that up because this is the second question. How does Sasha Banks and Naomi factor into this? I'm not saying that they immediately they jumped to New Japan. Huh? <laughs> they still work here? <laughs> uh, allegedly. Um, you know, nobody said that they haven't. But how do they factor into this? Because if they, you know, let's say they, they leave WWE uh, imminently and then they show up in the LA Dojo, they show up on Dynamite, then what? Now, this, is, of course, puts the onus on the stands. Now, if, you, if, you're a fan, if you're a fan of Sasha Banks and Naomi and you're you know, tweeting all day till your fingers turn blue about how you're going to do this and this, now it's time to put up a shut up. Because when they reappear, and they will reappear somewhere, will you follow them to hell and back with gasoline draws on? I think that's going to be interesting because wherever they go, they will be an asset to and a plus to their that woman's division. I don't care who it is. Um, so the bottom line is, is that that may be enough by itself for people to take notice. Stardom doesn't have a presence in America, but they could if Naomi or Sasha or both were there versus whoever they bring over from Japan. AEW has a women's division that personally I think is better than people give it credit for, but that's still a plus if you add Sasha, Naomi, or both. And then, of course, the forbidden door is a thing. Either way, which makes it that much more interesting so I'm not saying that Vince has to care, but there's money walking out the door. Mm-hmm. Now he's interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. True. And, and also true. Re- remember what uh, uh, Tony Khan said at the Forbidden Door um, uh, media scrum asked by Phil Lindsay um, in terms of what's up with stardom? Did you want to work with them? And he said, well, there was one really big technical issue. Visas. So I could imagine yeah. Vince not wanting to sponsor folks, but if they were able to get here and be sponsored by, let's say, New Japan, well, that just takes a big obligation off the table for you. Might make business a little bit more smoother for you. And I think now it's just a neck race to see who really wants to do business here. And I think that New Japan, and, and, and matter of fact, New Japan and Stardom, what if Stardom felt some type of way because they wasn't able to be at the Forbidden Door because Tony Khan didn't want to sponsor them? Could they be salty over that and say, fine, we won't do it, you know? Or could New Japan also say, hey, business actually wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be. Probably won't do it again. Let's also remember what the man said in terms of uh, in terms of um, saying the Forbidden Door is closed. Uh, their biggest star in, um, now his name's slipping out of my head, uh, uh, the Rainmaker. Um Okada. Uh, Okada, thank you. Okada said, like, after the scrum, he was just like, well, business is done. You're going to have to call me. The, the, the forbidden door has closed. So, you know, could could, could it be some foreshadowing there that business w- wasn't what they wanted it to be? So, I don't know, man. I, I think I think with an opportunity like this, you will have to not be a businessman to not sit back and say, how can we work something out here? So, It'll be interesting to see what happens, but I think this is an interesting point. Either way, we're getting started on American soil, so I don't know. Yes, I, I think DC will we'll take it. We we will we'll love to have them over here, and I will certainly be there. So New York will take it. <laughs> so we'll see where they land up here. So that that's going to be interesting. 
Big Gold Belt Media is your golden standard for all of your media needs. Visit BigGoldBelt.com for pro wrestling info, movies, comics, and even more digital content. On all of your social medias, follow us at Big Gold Belt all across the board. Listen to this show and more on your SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I tell you, man, I'm I'm a little disappointed. A couple of weeks ago on uh, the indie spotlight, um, Jamal really sold me on what should have been <laughs> one of the biggest wrestling shows to not oh, be a major no. promotion. And man, did that go wrong? The predictions of the number of tickets that were going to be sold, the most iconic main event that we were supposed to have, we have been robbed of. And we didn't even buy tickets, and I felt like I lost my money. What a sad time. <laughs> you didn't buy tickets. <laughs> what a sad time. Um, but I think I think we got to address that a little bit, maybe. I don't know. But, Jamal, the floor is yours. Uh, are we spotlighting an independent promotion this weekend? We got some news? There's an independent promotion that will actually be running this weekend. <laughs> and it's West Coast Pro. Uh, West Coast Pro Wrestling out there in the San Francisco area. That's 2700 45th Avenue in San Francisco, the United Irish Cultural Center. If you uh, head to their Twitter, WC Pro Official, uh, you'll get tickets for Cruel Summer. And the reason why you should, if you're out there in the Bay Area, if you're out there in Sacramento, in the Valley, yeah, it's hot as hell in the, in the desert out there in Modesto. So get your ass to the coast, get your ass to San Francisco, because... I mean, we got Starboy, Speedball Mike Bailey, first time ever. ACH versus Nick Wayne. It's a good thing. Masha yeah. Slamovich versus Jada Zhang. So I'm I'm liking it. I'm liking it a lot. Uh the newly um you know, former AEW uh you know talent, Alan Angels versus Vinny Massaro. There's not a lot of tickets left. Uh I think you know VIP sold out, so you're you you missed out on that one. Uh but uh it's this coming Friday, it is tomorrow, 7 p.m. Pacific time. It will be on independentwrestling.tv, but uh, that's 10 o'clock on the uh, on the East Coast where, where, you know, most of the country lives. But still, tomorrow, 7 p.m., San Francisco, the United Irish Culture Center, uh, West WC Pro official on the Twitter machine if you're out there and you want to get tickets. But this may be the most intriguing card of all of the uh, cards that I'm looking at. If you haven't seen Nick Wayne work, the kid is the truth. I mean, he's only 12, uh, but but damn if he's not uh, really impressing. So I'm, you know, there's a couple out there. A lot of names you know, a lot of names you should know, and they're all going to be out there. Cruel summer on the West Coast for West Coast Pro in San Francisco. Nice. All right. All right. Um, you want you want to jump in on a little bit of news too right now, or you want to hit that in the All right, cool. Let's I mean, do you, it. You put me on a spot, but I got I, I stay ready. It's so, a Jamal. Okay. It's a Jamal spotlight. You know what it is. I mean, I, I stay ready. So, uh, MOW, uh, they are going to be on TV over the air. Apparently, they have 
parent partner with BN Sports. Cool, we knew that. Uh, but BN Sports also has over-the-air channels in major markets around the country. Um, you know, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Detroit, Chicago, New York. Well, actually, most of the major cities, but here, which is annoying. Uh, but still, if you don't have one of the streaming platforms that they stream on, or you don't want to watch them on YouTube, um, you know, you check their website or check BN Sports Extra for show, show for a showcase and uh, times and listens in your area if they apply. So good on MLW for actually building a network in a traditionalist sense to complement their online presence. So I think that's that's a really cool thing to do. And the bottom line is, you're on TV in New York, Los Angeles, or Chicago. That's a lot of damn eyes that could be on the product if the timing is right. So yes, uh, I am sad to announce that <laughs> the Westland Entertainment Series that's supposed to happen this weekend, uh, the, the 10,000 seat Motor Point Arena in Nottingham, England was supposed to be rocking. It was supposed to be a show for the ages. It was supposed to be Moose versus Alistair Overeem in a match that I didn't know that I needed to know about. <laughs> but the co-main event was Lana versus Nia Jax Clash of the Superpowers. Mega Powers. I don't know if the planet can handle it. But this is apparently cute. it can't. It cannot. <laughs> it cannot. We are not worthy. We, we really aren't. We really aren't. And you know what? It's all y'all fault because you you guys should have sold us out. Uh, you guys should have got your ass to Nottingham, England. You guys don't know what, what real wrestling is. And you know what? We, we only sold 350 we did our part. Tailed. <laughs> it's they, just they, because that, everybody was going to show up at the door. That's all it was. Uh, obviously, uh, ninety-seven hundred yeah. people were going to line up around the block. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we say there was going to be like a fifteen hundred person walk up supposedly if they if they knew the card ahead of time, right? To see how much the ticket prices were going to go for. Yeah, right. So, um, you know, there's of course been speculation that people haven't been paid. There's been speculation, of course, that people were not paid but given flight credits to stay home. Um, you know, it, it's 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 just a mess, just a mess and a half. Um, when they rescheduled the first show, I mean, it was the Queen's Diamond Jubilee that weekend, don't you know? That's where all the wrestling plans were. So I understand that they had to reschedule the show, and then they then but then they sell the same poster for the show that they rescheduled when people were saying, "I will not be here that weekend." Uh oh, what a production! Either way, they um, have officially, uh, you know, postponed the show, uh, TBD, as it were, and you know, I hope that they'll be back. But it will be interesting to see because there's so much dirt in this promotion before they even got off the ground that uh, this 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 thing is dead in water. So <laughs> one day we'll get Nia Jax versus Lana. One day. <laughs> In the metaverse, at this rate, I mean, it, it might as well. It might as well be. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Ilya Dragunov. Uh, apparently, he is forced to vacate the NXT UK Championship due to injury. Um, you know, the injury bug is has the injury bug does not give a shit about borders. Uh, he does not check into the customs. Uh, he, he's not getting a visa. The injury bug does what he wants, and he's taking no prisoners. And sound like is, sound like the cousin to COVID at this point. I mean, they're related, but. But the bottom line is, is that um, Dragunov, who was had a title reign for like two years or so, um, yeah. when he beat uh, 
then Walter. the artist formerly known as Walter, way back when, uh, he unfortunately had to vacate the title. So, uh, you know, hopefully he will be back sooner than later. But that injury bug, man, is working over time. So we talked about the New Japan thing um, and that stardom could be coming, will be coming to the U.S. in a big, big way. Um, the New Japan stardom co-branded pay-per-view is going to happen in November. Uh, a couple other notes from that is that the there will be a special seating section uh, that will allow cheering at events uh, mm, in September. Yeah. So that's been a thing that Japan has stopped doing. Uh, you know, hey, watch the show, but watch with your hands because uh, cheering, loud noises, expelling, you know, things out as you yell out into the void, uh, that, that's a no in Japan. Eh, you know, it makes sense. But um, also they talk about numbers for the G1. Uh the numbers were obviously down uh, for that tournament, but they do have a goal this year, 50,000 uh, set for the tournament, which is up, which would be maybe 40% more than they did over the last two years. Um, there are plans to open up in um, a dojo in New Zealand, uh, which would be interesting. Uh, you know, there no specific dates or locations were mentioned, but they do plan on opening up um, a dojo and running events somewhere in New Zealand and Oceania. So if you're out there in Tonga, you know, get your merch because New Japan is coming to the region. So that's a plus. And uh, smart by them because this is what NXT was going to do. Well, yeah, I mean, NXT Japan was going to happen. NXT Mexico was going to happen and all of that. So it is, you know, it it just makes sense to bring the product that 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 has a market. um, And so the last thing is that there could be a New Japan music festival uh, sometime this fall in Japan. I have no idea what that means. I don't know what that would sound like. Um, would it just be theme songs for two hours? Or are they actually putting on a rock concert? With a, will Fozzie be there? These are questions. These these are the questions. But the Jeez. New Japan had a big press conference uh, you know, earlier this morning. And that's yeah. the news for this week. Awesome. Moving on to what has been a very, very debatable yet touchy Tibbet coming off of the Twitters um, yesterday. Is it touchy? For us, is it touchy? I don't know, man. I I can only speak for myself here. Uh, But coming off of the Twitters late last night, first of all, this starts off with a Robert O'Neill. Is that actually like a person person or like was he vanity search? (laughs) I need somebody to search that up because I don't know who he is, but he could be somebody or he could have been vanity search. It's, it's a name I it's a name I see pretty frequently. So Same. I'm pretty sure he's I see legitimate. I see him often. Okay, yes. cool. Cool. Yeah, cuz I know Twitter. Yeah, all right. It might as well I, be it might as well be one of us she's replying to. Okay. I just not on the Twitter's that much. Every time I get on there people being so negative. But this one caught my eye and I figured let's talk about it. He said it's always wild listening to wrestlers discuss the one that should not be named Chris Benoit. I mean, I quote but I mean, I actually quote myself there, but I'm quoting him, but he didn't say that. But Chris Benoit in a professional contest, because they always be sure to note that they aren't excusing what happened before praising his in-ring stuff for 10 minutes, except New Jack. That's not what we're going to talk about, because we are going to talk about your Impact's World's Knockout Champion, Jordan Grace, who's, by the way, has been killing it. Also happy that she did get her win in front of a crowd because the last time she did, very beginning of the pandemic, on a Mexican, on a Mexico show that nobody seen, no one cared, and whoops. 
But she says, this is going to be the coldest take I've ever tweeted on this app. So when she said that, I thought she was going to spit some bars. I'm not even going to lie. I thought she was like legit going to like put down some bars. I was like, oh, she about to say something tight. But instead, she said, I already know y'all going to be mad. Man, I'm still thinking she was going to spit some bars. I was legit. I was like, yo, she she about to, yeah. I was, going, mm, I, I was just ready. But instead, <laughs> she said, I don't think Chris Benoit or Benoit could a hundred percent hang with most of the present day wrestlers he would not be able to remember matches also may he burn in hell amen okay so i can't remember which one of you all said this before but it was a conversation probably sometime last year when we talked about how well not how but in terms of using your social media Mm. are you in character are you in person? I think there's some people that is very clear who's on what, but we also, I believe, across the board, agreed that both can't really play both because you do get sideways comments from folks when they could be attacking your character or outside possibly attacking your person. I think attacking your character is fair game. You get attacked by MJF. Why can't you shoot sure. back? You know, Jamal is very much, I, I mean, he's one of the pioneers, I say, of being very clear of saying, like, I do not like that guy. And he's strictly talking about that character, you know? And, and people think, like, oh, my God. He... <laughs> little A, little a B. Guys that can I was going to say, wait, stuff. does he not like John Moxley the person or John Moxley the character? But, but again. Oh, the character. Always, I don't know the person. Right, exactly. It's always premised around. The character versus we don't know who the person is, and sometimes right. some pe- some people's persons make sure you know exactly who they are, and then in that case you have to say how you feel. I- I'm just I'm to make to not make this short uh, long winded. Here's my thing: Chris Benoit is one of my favorite. Chris Benoit, the wrestler who happens to have the same exact name as the person, is one of my favorite wrestlers. When I used to watch WCW back in the day, my heroes were Chris Benoit. Dean Malenko, Juventud Guerrero, and Psychosis. These are the folks that I had to, outside of Sting, but these were the folks that I said, yo, like, every every day, I want to see what they're going to do. And now that we was watching, I mean, I was watching wrestling from an entertainment standpoint, but now watching wrestling more of a person who, who understands the ring psychology a little bit more and, you know, understand the business, you have to be completely blind to say that a lot of the folks spent endless tape time looking at the likes of Perry Saturn, Taz, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit. Hell, throw Bret Hart in there. Some of the most technical wrestlers of all time. So to say that they could not hang with him in the present day, it's just absolutely Wait a minute, but but do you realize where the tweet's coming from when she says he wouldn't remember the matches? She's referencing CTE. That, that don't that don't mean anything. Um, Demarius Thomas, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, he he died, right? Correct. Did he was he was he at any diagnosed with CTE? Yeah, yeah, yes. But on the field, was he any bit of a problem except for the for corners? Did he play at top velocity velocity as one of the best? As a wide receiver, yes, but we're talking about a wrestler versus a wide receiver. Which one you think is more dangerous here? Oh, because to actually call a to call a match in the ring, come on, two chains, you know that. 
I would disagree that football is a much more dangerous sport, and you absolutely are getting calls. I'm talking about the play. technicalities. I'm uh, talking wait, about wait, the technicalities. You, you said that a wide receiver faces a more injurious, more risk to injury than a professional wrestler. Absolutely, you are Why? building because because you because are, a wide receiver to a doesn't play every down. Uh, B doesn't isn't involved in every play. A wrestler right. will take a bump. They they, every they single. have literally sports science has literally said that tackles are like car accidents. How many times they don't get are, hit every play? If you are a wide receiver, you absolutely can be hit without even having a ball. You can be it, hit on that's illegal. Down, that's a, that's no, no throw a flag. Are you strictly talking about blocking? Because that if that's what you're referencing, when they're blocking downfield when they don't have the ball. It's, it's anything. It's no, it's no, no. Absolutely you, anything. Wait a minute. First of all, you, you, you could, cannot you can be, tackle can be, somebody without the ball. That's that's you, illegal. You could be chop blocked within five five yards. You can absolutely be tackled. You can absolutely be hit. And you had people out there like Brian Dawkins who was head hunting. You know, let's not Correct. forget about the, the Saints who were literally like, listen, our, we're taking people out. So it's more malice in that sport that people were targeting folks. I think wrestling is dangerous for sure. But I think that everybody's trying to protect one another in wrestling. Football does not. People are literally like, get him out of there. Get him out of there. You heard folks say, I'm trying to kill that guy. For real. Right, and, and, and that's fine. And I have no problem with that. But the deal is that you have five guys on the field that are wide receivers. Yes, there may be a, a this at five yards, and you really can't do anything afterwards. Uh, but the play evolves differently. It's not... It would be different if you said a wide receiver versus a, a tackle then, or a wide receiver sure. versus a defensive end. Um, you know, that, that's a given that they're going to get hit. There's a right. difference. There's a di- given that a linebacker is going to be involved in the play. A wide receiver, it's not a guarantee because if you have a five-yard hitch and go, it's you're not involved. If you're coming across the middle blindsided, you're going to get your head knocked off. Yeah, and you that's don't do a that thing. too many times. Like, that's uh, not uh, given uh, every single every single play though. An in route is definitely like a very like vital play, but all right. So to, to kind of so give flesh it out a little bit talk. more. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, flesh yeah, it out yeah, a little yeah. bit so, more. So yeah. so I, you know again, I think that him having CTE, especially in the steroid era, is absolutely problematic. But I don't think we looked at a Chris Benoit career and say, nah, he's slacking. Outside of any type of substance abuse, I don't think his career downfalls had anything to do with CTE. I thought he actually performed top tier until. He did do his some CT stuff and, and so on. I mean, if we're going to say that, then we need to be looking at folks in the ring right now. Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, Edge, Christian, okay. you okay. know, folks who, so, so first let, who let, the same let, caliber of matches, right? Let's set the table a little bit because, number one, uh, CTE isn't something that you can just see. Isn't something that you can just tell, brain, you know. Brain uh, deterioration. Yeah, degenerative, uh, you know, brain function is not something that you're just going to go out there and go, yep, you can do, you know, he, he's done. Um, th- that is something that the only way to really tell is to cut the dude's skull open and look at his brain. Yeah. So that, that's so let's just let's just knock that out which, which right now. And enough, say that, in this case, was actually done. <laughs> right. So let's just knock that out right now and say that, like, there's no way to tell for certain that, you know, it's not herpes. You don't get a blister from CTE that makes you go, like, oh, shit, he got that shit. He's been hitting the head too many times. Um, so that, that's that's just is what it is. Uh, secondly, Chris Benoit died in 2007 at 40 years old. Uh, 2007, uh, that was, what, 15 years ago? 15 years. 15 years ago. He would have been 55 right now. I'm not saying that Chris Benoit wouldn't have lost a step in 15 years being 55. 
But I am saying that when he died at 40, he would not be the same person at 40, at 35, at 30, that he would be right now, too. So mm-hmm. that would be the same thing. And, 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 you know, for comparison's sake, because they're around the same age, Chris Jericho is not Chris Jericho from 2007 today. Chris Jericho is not Chris Jericho from anything before 2007 today. So I think that if he had the ability to reinvent himself, that also factors in, and that's not something that we can't know either. So would Chris Benoit be Ken Shamrock, or would he be Chris Jericho? Quick, quick, quick question, because you know what? That you bring up a really good point. I think when you, when when we hear this conversation, unilaterally across the board in in terms of sports, we always talk about people in their primes. Could Jordan keep up with the folks that's playing today? Jordan's not playing, but could Jordan? He paid off play? the refs, so of course he could. <laughs> okay, but could, but could, but can somebody like uh uh let me see uh Carl Anthony Towns? Can he keep up with a Shaq? You know what I mean? Like people make comparisons like that, and I think that when people talk like statements like she made, I think it's in terms of prime versus prime. Could his style? Could his work ethic keep up with what the kids are doing today? And but that's right. In the context of what she said, though, she said that because he has CTE, which is something that we do know, and yeah. we, we know that then, we know it now, we know that he would have had that back then. So as whatever his uh, brain de- uh, deteriorated, deterioration is, we don't know what that looks like. Because if you would have said in 2007, uh, Dean Malenko is definitely going to have Parkinson's. Now, obviously, Malenko is, you know, that's another degenerative disease. Unfortunately, he will never wrestle again. It's sad to see, but that is what it is. And he knows and we know, and that's just, that's just the reality that we're going to have to live with. So there's obviously, it's, it's a grand, grand hypothetical, but we don't know at the point that the CTE will develop or envelop him. We don't know that if this unfortunate incident that happened um, where he, you know, murdered his family, we don't know if that, let's assume that he doesn't do that. Would it have manifested in something else? Would he have killed a wrestler? Would he have gone off the deep end in a different way? Would yeah. he have just killed himself? Um, but the bottom line is, is that, or would he have just worked hurt as wrestlers tend to do? And then, of course, we know that the history is the history. Would his ability to adapt, again, would he be Chris Jericho or Ken Shamrock? The real question is, would he have the ability to adapt and reinvent himself? Because honestly, he really hasn't. No, uh, he at least did. at that point, he once he made it in guy. WWE or WCW, he was Chris Benoit. The Pegasus Kid is a different guy. But once yep, he crossed I was just over, bring up the Pegasus Kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. once he crossed over, he was Chris Benoit. And he's been that character for and, and, and you know, in in some window, this window, until he until he murdered himself. So that's a different problem. I, and I, I don't think that he would be able never to reinvent. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna, there's a lot of other wrestlers not invented themselves as well either. And I, I mean, I, 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 again, I also think with the landscape of wrestling being so diverse now, I think it's hard to say that one of the best technical wrestlers, could they not keep up with one, one of the, you know, just at least stellar technical wrestlers? But, but right that's now? also not fair too, because technical wrestling doesn't sell as much as, you know the way the wrestling has evolved. If if it, if technical wrestling, so you know she would argue that one, right? Well, In that household, and that, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but the reason why, um, you know, the reason why Jonathan Gresham is the Ring of Honor champion and not an eight-time whoever the hell champion wherever around the world is because, unfortunately, 
It doesn't matter that I love it. It doesn't matter that Gresham's my top five, definitely number two. Right. It's because technical wrestling doesn't sell the way uh, yeah. WWE has presented wrestling to North America. So the yeah. bottom line is, is that I don't. Yes, there is some something that I can say that yeah, maybe Benoit doesn't hang with the Will Ospreys of the world. Maybe he doesn't hang with Zack Saber Juniors of the world. In a, in a technical sense, not because of his gender or brain disease, just because it's a different style. You say that could Carl Anthony Towns go back to the mid nineties and bang with Ben Wallace and, and Rasheed Wallace and Ewan <laughs> and Morin and Morning and all those guys. Sounds laughable. Hell no. Maybe not. <laughs> but, but to be fair though, to be ben fair Wallace. though, could Dennis Rodman in 96 walk through the, the, the Stargate and play in 2022? No. Oh, those, those refs wouldn't have that. Absolutely not. He'd be kicked out of the league. Yeah. But Rasheed Wallace <laughs> from, from 98. You, you know what, though? Today? You bring you bring up Ben Wallace. I think Ben Wallace in his prime could definitely hang right now. But then, but he, that, but exactly, because that was when the, the league started to turn the corner. Yeah. Um, yeah. 2004, 2005, 2006. But the bottom line is pick your great from 95, 96, 97. I don't yeah. think they can hang today because it's a different game. Let me uh, uh, let me let me let's get Will and Damien in there real quick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end off with a question about this. So, what, what's your thoughts about this tweet, Will? What when I read, see, I didn't take it as like vintage best all time Benoit versus the stars of today. I took it as if he was still alive, would he be able to, as a fifty year old, you know, fifty year old Chris, fifty five year old Chris Benoit, be able to hang with the stars of today if he was around and given the shape he was in when he uh, left this plane, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> what, what we What we do know is that he, he had, apparently his brain was so destroyed, it was on par with a, like dementia patients in their 80s. Dementia. He was in severely bad shape, like essentially Swiss cheese holes in his brain. So if he was around today, I, I could be, you know what the big thing I remember today? I remembered... When he was in that Royal Rumble with Daniel Pewter and he oh. was stiffing the crap out of him. And I was just picturing a, if he was around, he'd probably be a broken down, bitter old guy. And I could see him just like being a bully. He, he, he idolized Dynamite Kid and that's what Dynamite Kid became. And yeah. I could see that probably was going to be his future, regardless yeah. of like his mental capacity and everything. Because I, I don't think I don't see reinvention in him. And I don't see him succeeding as a trainer. Hell, he was going nuts because he was so damn scared that his his in-ring career was winding down. That was supposedly what sent him over the edge, that he could not handle thinking he might get cut from WWE. Winning the ECW title was like, he, he thought that was like the last step before, like, you know, he was going to be cut loose. And that's what was like, was triggering things when it happened. So his future was, was not looking good at the yeah. end there. So to extrapolate further on that, I don't see a good future for him in 2022 uh, if he had stuck around, unless some like dr- dramatic changes would have happened yeah. in his Wheel, life. Wheelchair, Damn, get in here. Wheelchair bonded for real. Like, yeah, time to dynamite kid. Right. And that Will basically said one of the things I was going to bring up was about dynamite kid. He verbatim practiced his life, diving headbutt, started being too intense for people backstage, overly emotional. He probably would have been just the wheelchair ridden back in my day, but even worse, you know? <laughs> and as we're talking, 
it makes me realize, I wonder how bad really he treated the Miz. Cause remember how he kicked the Miz out, made him change in the bathroom. You know, I saw a tweet that said when, when, you know, Miz, he's going to go to Chris Benoit's like grave or something and just make sure like he stays there because he was his biggest hater. So that's what I'm like. I wonder what he really did to Miz. Did he beat the shit out of Miz? Did he take a shit in his bag like X-Pac used to do? You know, things of that nature. But I really think, you know, as I said before, that Jordan's tweet was basically poking fun at Benoit having CTE, not being able to keep up with the athletes of today. Because back then, he was a genetic anomaly. You know, if you really want to, like you talked about the cruiser rates, right? They were anomalies because of their size, their speed, their athleticism, and agility. But yeah. now, wrestling is full of those people. I don't think Benoit could have hung with Ricochet. I don't think Benoit could have hung with the Bucks. And, and to be quite honest, to, like we were talking about, I don't think he could hang with Gresh. I think Gresh would have wrestled circles around Benoit if they were all, you know, if Benoit at 40 on the tail end of, of CTE would that's have came even, and wrestled. That's not even fair, though. Like, but my, I think, least... but the, honestly, in regards to the tweet, that's what I think she's getting at is that there's so many athletes of this caliber now. It makes people like Benoit, who, who were pretty much, ooh, we've never seen this before at that height and size. So now it's everybody. Most of the indie wrestlers have the height and size now and the, and the agility. So would he be able to keep up? Probably I, mean, I mean, to be fair, I, I spotlighted Island Angels in the uh, West Coast Pro Show because yeah. not because he's Chris Benoit, but because he's of that same size, of that yes. same stature. And he's honest to God, one of a billion that in, in the pro wrestling scene right now that has that compact look that can you know, do a, a whole bunch of moves and make him look good. That's arguably to his detriment now because it didn't keep him in AEW. But the bottom line is, is that would Chris Benoit be Brian Cage, just another jacked up guy that can do things, can work, but nothing really makes him special anymore. Um, or would he just be Val Venus, another old or, or Disco Inferno, another old guy <laughs> that you know whose heyday is was twenty five years ago, and they can't cope because the world isn't what they want it to be anymore. Correct. They didn't move out of the spotlight; they were kicked out with a yeah. shotgun drop kick. So, yeah. But then again, you know if the Briscoes can do it. Uh, where they definitely had you know their image back in their heyday, and now that they were removed from that heyday, you know that image has been tweaked. It definitely has. So who knows? But I don't. I don't think it's like a hot take or the coldest take ever to say that like Chris Benoit couldn't necessarily hang today because of so many guys that do it, and also because he would need to reinvent himself for 2022. Yeah. Yeah. 2020. I do like this conversation because I feel like we all hit different parts of it. I think it's just completely wow. I, I just don't understand. Yeah, like you said, I don't. I don't see the reason of having a hot take about Chris Benoit at forty, who is clearly career is winding down. Who is you know was dealing with all sorts of mental issues, body deterioration, grieving, all sorts of just random things were just coming this way just for him to just be, um, you know, brain just you know rotten and then he does one of the most horrific things as the christmas water person uh and just you know completely fuck that guy at that point but yeah i looked at it was like hey christmas while you know present day at his peak could he hang with them and then say well could he remember his matches i mean he could have been suffering from ect issues during his peak 
but I don't think that would have been an issue for him still working his matches. I I, I wouldn't think that would have been an issue. But well, I think yeah. the point remains is that we'll never know because he fucking hanged himself. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh so whatever whatever's condo in hell that he has, you know, you know, that that's that's on him. But yeah. the, uh, the you know, and I guarantee that he has a timeshare in hell right no, on the for lake. Sure. For on sure. the fucking lake. So he, he yeah. can't go fuck himself. And I think that's a point that we I don't know if we all agree on that point, but I think that is a point that Jordan made that I 100 percent agree with. No matter what you think he can or cannot do at 55, uh he can eternally go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. <laughs> All right, so listen, because I know we're up on our time, but we did have that last little thing we need to talk about. So let's just get it in real quick. Uh Warlow. The question remains. Yeah, what about that guy? Who is that guy that people out here com- comparing him to Goldberg for whatever reason? People on the internet are weird. Um yeah, yeah, well, yeah but the, the the it's the whole thing with the TNT title picture where there's a lot of mixed feelings about that mid-card title championship. But Warlow, who seems to be one of the hottest wrestlers in AEW, and and potentially, could he be the one to turn it all around? Could he bring back the prestige? This question is for Will and Jamal, and then we'll take it home after that. What's your thoughts about Warlow and the TNT title picture? Yeah, well, it comes it comes down to one thing in my mind: are, are they going to keep the title on him for a bit? <laughs> they, they've played hot, they've played the hot potato with that title for like months now between what Scorpio sky, Sammy Guevara and, and who knows who all else. I can't even keep track who's had it the past couple months, but it's been a hot potato title. So now that Wardlow has it, is he going to kind of settle it down? Is, is he, does he, does he get to be a, the signature guy with the TNT title for a bit to give me a reason to care about the TNT title in the first place? That's what it comes down to for me. Uh, I think that matches make the title, not necessarily any one individual uh, uh, talent. Um, there are a lot of great champions that we remember because they had great matches for or with the belt. Um, somebody holds the championship hostage, basically, doesn't do anybody any good. So the question is, will we see the Waterloo from the Indies that I remember that got him to AEW that honestly, if you haven't seen it, you haven't, you don't know. So I want really want him to come out of a shell, open up the trick bag a little bit, and and be and elevate the title like he says he wants to do by having matches worthy of the title. Um, it is it is the championship. It, it is the TNT championship, and that and that's great. But make it mean something, and you do that by you know setting him up with good talent, uh, setting the, that talent up with good matches, giving them time to uh, have that good match, and then we move on. So whether he loses it tomorrow or whether he loses it six months from now um, isn't really a concern of mine. It's more to the point of we will only, I will only see prestige be brought back to the title through good, good contest. So uh, give me, give me a, give me a worthy match. uh, AEW make the title (laughs) mean something. All right, folks. Well, I think that's going to do it on tonight's episode. We did get a lot in. God, I feel like I have to give a disclaimer that no one here loves Crispin Wilder person because that was not up for debate. We are very much uh, agreeing. Yeah. And fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, don't be, don't be, don't be, don't be, yeah, because don't be taking takes and be like, oh my God, it was out here, blah, 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 blah. We, we, we were saying he should be in the Hall of Fame because, you know, having a good <laughs> superplex or a stiff chop changes <laughs> that, that you, you see those chops and, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter what he did to that kid, you know. Uh, he, or his he, had a hell of a, he had a hell of a sugar cookie recipe. 